Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by freewheel.co.uk and we are one composites. Freewheel.co.uk is a new cycling website that enables you to shop for a ton of your favourite cycling brands online, but with all sales supported by your chosen local bike shop, meaning that small businesses get a percentage kickback from every sale. In an age where huge online retailers dominate the market, Freewheel is here to support over 400 local bike shops that make up the Freewheel Union, because, let's face it, our local bike shops are important parts of our riding communities and are well worth supporting. So you get the convenience of ordering online, but you still get to support your local bike shop. Head to freewheel.co.uk now and sign up for their mailing list to get a generous 15% off your first order. This is a UK only thing I'm afraid, so apologies to my listeners elsewhere in the world. I'm running We Are One Composites Faction 29er wheels and I absolutely love them. I was sceptical about carbon wheels initially having ridden some in the past that were way too stiff and punishing to ride, unless all you wanted to do was to save weight. Well, We Are One have made the most of what carbon can offer and they've made something that's light and strong with an amazing ride feel that balances stiffness and compliance into a package that's direct and holds a line but it's not going to ping you off every root and rock that you come into contact with. They're made to the highest quality in Kamloops in Canada and that combination of quality and awesome engineering is why We Are One wheels are in massive demand. That demand means that their wheel building is totally slammed so we're not going to be able to offer a discount for complete wheels this month but We Are One really want to support our listeners so they're offering 15% off if you're buying their rim only products until the end of April. So head to weareonecomposites.com now and use the code WESUPPLY2021. That's WESUPPLY, all one word, all lowercase, followed by the number 2021. Do that now over at weareonecomposites.com. We are one also have some amazing athletes on board, including today's guest, Hannah Bergman. But before we chat to Hannah, just a few quick things. Firstly, all the links that I mentioned are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. Secondly, our spring summer 2021 range of merch is available now over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. As always, it's top quality, organic, made in a factory using renewable energy and delivered with no single use plastics. But this time we've got you two brand new designs and also our first ever recycled t-shirts. Head over now and check them out. All the proceeds go to help improving the show. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where I've got links to all the major platforms there to help you. It'd also be great if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook, where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's the best place to keep up to date with what's going on, and it's always great to chat with you in the comments there. All right, it's time for this week's guest. Hannah Bergman is an incredible athlete and an exciting part of the future of freeriding. With a background in freestyle skiing, Hannah has quickly made a name for herself, which has recently led to her getting a much sought after Red Bull helmet deal. We chat about Hannah's early years and find out how her environment has been such a huge part of shaping the rider that she is today. We chat about her use of visualizations, how she approaches training, how digging improves your riding and much, much more. So without further ado, here's Hannah Bergman. Hannah Bergman, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you? Uh, things are good with me. Uh, thanks for having me, Chris. Ah, it's a pleasure. Let's um, let's start where we start a lot of these episodes and kind of wind the clock back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Like, where did you grow up? What kind of stuff was going on for you from a sporting perspective back then? Yeah, um, I grew up primarily in Hood River, Oregon, which is um, a town a little bit west of Portland, Oregon. Um, and 
Growing up, I spent a bit of time um, riding bikes with my family, um, but primarily uh, would be skiing on Mount Hood. Um, That was kind of the thing that I loved to do the most as a kid. Um, We did a lot of stuff as a kid or when I was a kid growing up outdoors, but I love skiing and definitely um, focused on doing that a lot. So like in high school, I was like real into uh, like freestyle park skiing and uh-huh. um, even did like a bit of competing in um, slope style and half pipe and like rail jam and stuff. Sweet. Um, How did you yeah. get on with that? Um, Like results wise sort yeah. of thing or just, uh, I did pretty well. I mean, it was, a, it's like a pretty small, I would say more niche um, sport, but um yeah, I, I did like some national competitions and ended up, I think, taking some like podium spots in like slope style. And um, I, I loved the, the thing I liked the most was actually rail jam because I could just like session the rails a bunch and like practice different variations of tricks on on rails, which um, I would just do that for hours if I could like on the weekends and when I was in high school, pretty funny in hindsight but definitely enjoyed doing it a lot cool and did you ever at that point in your life kind of see a a career as an athlete in any of those sorts of disciplines or sports or was it just something you did for fun um mostly just did for fun yeah yeah okay fair play am I right in thinking you had one of those little trek mountain cub bikes when you were little Mm -hmm. I did have a little trek mountain cub bike when I was a kid um yeah I I was actually, even before I moved to Hood River, my dad got me a little Trek mountain cub <laughs> and I would, and we did, before I lived in Hood River, we lived in Portland, which is the bigger city, um, East. Uh-huh. And we, so we, um, we had like, um, a deck in our backyard and he would like set me up on the mountain cub to ride around on the deck. And I remember I have like a good memory of like riding it around. And then there was like a big set of stairs that like went down to the grass in the yard and like I, remember, I would just be like he would kind of just like set me on the deck and then I would just be cruising around in circles and then like I remember one day like distinctly getting the motivation to like ride my bike down the stairs and like at the bottom <laughs> there was like a giant rose bush and I just like remember sending it down the stairs into the rose bush and then after that I was not allowed to ride unsupervised on the deck <laughs> awesome had you had you seen anyone else do it or did you come up with that entirely of no, your, that of was, your own idea and, entirely my own idea um but yeah that's my my memory of the mountain cub wicked so do you think you've always kind of had like uh, extreme kind of sports was it was it something you were destined for do you think you were maybe not not uh not a fearful person as a child yes i would agree with that statement for sure i've definitely been drawn to action sports and and all that yeah nice so you're you're based in bellingham now is that right Mm mm-hmm yeah, now I yeah. live in Bellingham, Washington. Uh-huh. What took you there? Um, I moved here in 2015 to go to school, to go to university at Western Washington University. Okay. And you study, is it kinesiology in Spanish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you nailed it. What is kinesiology then? Because that's the, uh, I know what Spanish is, but <laughs> kinesiology, <laughs> I'm not so sure. Kinesiology is like movement studies, human body movement studies. So um, it's a really common major for folks that want to go into like healthcare um and which is what i intended to do for a while um, okay you cover and a lot of sciences yeah is that 
like how does that relate to what you do now in a sporting context like does it impact how you treat your body how you look after yourself in relation to your sport yeah for sure I think I was drawn to kinesiology because of my background in sport um so they kind of both go hand in hand and then after studying kinesiology it's definitely had some influence on my on the way that I um yeah go about um doing my athletic endeavors but yes uh, we learn a lot about nutrition and um yeah like biomechanics we learned about um all sorts of things that are very relevant to athletics um like even sports psychology and um yeah i guess um i i think it's definitely had some influence on the the way that i train and um like i learned we learned in kines also like um how to make make your own workout program specifically for what you're wanting to um progress in so like i was able to design my own like programs for um training for specifically for mountain biking which was pretty cool and i think it's very helpful for me what i'm doing now yeah what about from the kind of the maintenance side of things like looking after your body is it is it encouraged you to focus on that side as well because i think certainly for a lot of amateur riders at least it's a, it's the part that gets left yeah. off the table quite often definitely um maintenance uh is definitely super important so like studying that um you definitely learn um how to balance the different aspects of your training and like learn how to incorporate things that are often looked over like resting um stretching the things that um people like athletes that tend to just want to be training all the time can neglect um and i would fall in that category for sure i tend to just want to be go 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 all the time so yeah learning how to do that is definitely beneficial and i think um yeah so i would agree that studying that helped me sort of learn to be have a more balanced like idea of what training is yeah do you have like a, an ongoing movement practice then like a pilates or a yoga or something that you do alongside the more kind of obvious yeah. fitness stuff i have like a i have a stretching routine i, I guess is maybe a, a little bit more tight of a term than it is but i definitely try and stretch um and do some variation of yoga um several times a week and it usually goes in hand with when i'm in the gym i'll like do a workout and then spend time stretching before and after and adding that into the program but i also have a friend who gives me massage too which is super helpful and she's a her name's ashley she lives locally here in bellingham and has a practice that's pretty handy <laughs> yes definitely what about other kind of recovery techniques? I'm sure I've read some of the, you're a fan of like the, the ice bath type approach as well. I've done some of that. I've definitely like gone through waves of doing it more often. I'm not, haven't been doing it recently, but I do enjoy some of that. Um, I kind of just try and like listen to what my body needs, I guess. So like if I'm recovering from a slam or something, then I'll just try and like pay attention to how things are feeling and um, go from there so it's kind of a I guess I, I don't have a very specific regimen that I follow or anything but um, yeah just trying to know when it's good to rest and when it's good to keep going 
Yeah. You mentioned uh, recovering from slams and it. it's mm-hmm. uh, an inevitable part of any mountain biker's life that it happens every now and again. Yes. And I guess maybe even more so in, in the kind of side of the sport that you ride in quite a lot. Mm-hmm. How do you think about crashing? Like, is it something you actively try to avoid? Do you accept that it's going to happen? Do you prepare for it? Uh, that's a good question. I would say I definitely accept that it's bound to happen. That's something I've gone through over the years is yeah just accepting that it's part of the process um as far as preparing for it i never like to think that it's going to happen so i don't do a lot of preparation other than um like the mental piece accepting that it's bound to happen and then i guess um i think maybe with my background in skiing, I sort of learned how to crash at a young age. I don't know if this is true or not, but I definitely, I would say based on my like observations have been able to take a lot more crashes than some people that I ride with and somehow not get injured that often in relation to how often I crash. So I, I wonder if maybe it has something to do with just like, doing all these action sports as a kid and just like crashing a lot and learning kind of how to absorb an impact potentially. Yeah, maybe I've heard people say that martial arts is good mm-hmm. for because you learn how to fall properly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely like, I never did martial arts or gymnastics as a kid. And I, if I crash, I crash like it <laughs> yeah. generally I go down hard and it hurts sort of thing. Whereas I've, yeah, I've got mates that seem to be able to like tuck and roll out of, almost anything so yeah i think there's there's definitely some truth in that for sure like learning from a young age how to do it properly yeah interesting so tell us a little bit about like how you got deeper into the mountain bike scene because i think when you moved to bellingham like it was a it was a hobby for sure but you weren't as serious about it as you are now where it's you know Mm -hmm. it's become your your full-time career so yeah tell us a little bit about how bellingham uh dragged you in um, so when I moved here in 2015 to go to university, I um, brought my mountain bike with me. I knew there was good riding in Bellingham. I didn't know much about it other than that there was a place to ride bikes here. Um, and at the time, I had a tw- 2012 Ellsworth moment. I was very proud of it. Nice. Um, and um, after a few months of going to university, I ended up getting a job at a bike shop in town, um, the Kona Bike Shop my friend was working there at the time and she got a promotion to work at the headquarters of Kona. And so she offered sort of was able to offer me her position at the bike shop. So I was like, yeah, it sounds awesome. I'd love to work in the shop. And then, um, um, upon getting the job in the shop, I kind of started meeting a lot more people within the mountain bike community, um, making a lot of friends that showed me new places to ride. And it just kind of escalated from there. Um, and at the same time, I was also sort of dabbling in some enduro racing in the summer. So working in the shop plus traveling and doing the, the enduro racing events sort of, um, just allowed me to get really immersed into the mountain bike scene up here. Yeah. And what about the free ride side of it? Like, there's a, there's a big gap, I guess, between mm-hmm. kind of an enduro racetrack and some of the stuff that I've seen you, you riding now. Yeah. Like how, how did that side of things grow for you? So when I say like mountain bike community here in Bellingham, it, um, the community here kind of has a lot of, it, um, draws a lot of influence from like the BC 
free ride scene. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that have lived here for several years that sort of like build a lot of free ride features. And that's kind of like the style of riding that is um, you see here often. So I would do the racing in the summer. And then whenever I was just like riding or training, I would kind of just be like riding free ride steep trails and like hitting features and stuff with my buddies and even building stuff. So like I was doing kind of externally doing all this like racing stuff. And then my like the thing the riding that I was doing for fun and was just like this free ride and I didn't have a term for it at the time but like that was just like the style of riding that we did because that's kind of the influence that the community has and we would also like go up to Canada and ride um all the stuff up in Squamish and Whistler and um the North Shore all the time um yeah so I guess that's sort of where I started to transition from like this racing focus and then into a more of a free ride focus. And that was yeah. over the course of several years. So really a product of the environment that you've been living in then it's, it's, that's been a big driver for it. Yes, definitely. And a lot of my friends here in town, like have, um, also like have grown up, like being influenced by rampage and, um, and definitely like a lot of the Canadian free ride scene. So I just definitely have has sort of, uh, leaked onto me and that's the style of writing that I've just grown to love. Yeah. And you've got up to speed pretty quickly, I'd say, considering you, uh, you only got there in, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Do you think, what is it about you that has kind of enabled you to climb up through the sport and get comfortable riding this sort of terrain so quickly? Um, I think it's a combination of things like having, um, <laughs> Well, yeah, having like the skiing background within freestyles, like it's it's fairly comparable in the sense that you're like the mental aspect of it is very similar where you're like visualizing something that you want to do, um, whether it's a jump or some feature or some trick or some like thing you want to do with your body um, in the air or whatever. It, and you're thinking about how you'd like to do it and then um, taking it from a vision to to reality and um so i think that whole like mental process is comparable and like prepared me well for progressing very quickly in free ride mountain biking um i also do feel like i've like i feel privileged in the sense that i was able to grow up in a town that supported doing these types of activities and like my family's always been super supportive of me like pursuing all these various activities so like a combination of like my environment plus just my mentality towards um towards progressing my personal skills and whatever I'm pursuing. Yeah. You're sort of the sort of person that always likes to get better at whatever it is they're doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the trail building side of it, because it's mm-hmm. something that, that maybe gets overlooked some of the time. Like how important do you think it is as a rider and certainly in the kind of free ride side of the sport to, to do digging as well? Like how important do you think it is to have that, understanding and appreciation and involvement with the terrain that you're riding on digging especially in the realm of free ride is is super important it's a huge part of it and i think like you said gets a bit overlooked as far as free riding as a whole like the sport as a whole as a free rider you are definitely needing to be um digging and um building features and part of it part of the reason why it's so important is because um like thinking about like rampage for example like the 
the only way you can um, know that a feature is going, that you can look at terrain, like um, raw terrain, and then be able to visualize where a feature can go, like if it'll work and be rideable, um, and whether like you can, if, if whether it's feasible or not, is by like practicing that whole process of like, yeah, like looking at the terrain and then being able to visualize what could go there um what feature you'd want to build and how you want to build it and then making it happen so you have to kind of go through that whole um process of creation to um it's a a skill you have to practice to to be able to ride like that style of riding um so yeah it's it's super important it's and it, it it all goes hand in hand so like practicing that process helps make you a better rider because you can then look at features that have already been built and like be able to just know if they're going to work or not or like how they will work and how they'll feel before you actually hit the feature which in the long in the end makes it all safer and um, more predictable do you think it helps you assess other features that that maybe you haven't built when you're looking at riding stuff for the first time yep absolutely yeah how much of your time then would you say you spend kind of building versus riding? Like where does that split sit? Um, for me, it's ramped up over the years. I started just kind of like going out with my friends to like work on their own, their personal trail projects or like helping out with um, community dig days and stuff. And then slowly progressed to, and that would, I would just kind of do a, a couple of days here and there, like every month whenever my friends were doing it so it wasn't really a a personal endeavor and then it's sort of as I've grown to love that side of the sport more I've been able to do it more on my own and the amount of digging that I do has increased so now it's like digging takes a lot longer than riding so (laughs) like I don't know I almost spend like maybe like 40 percent 60 percent right now just and also it depends on the time of year too like in the summer Uh i ride a lot more because you can't dig as much when it's dry but like in the winter i spend a lot more time digging like almost more skewed towards digging than riding at least yeah is it pretty free rain where you are for digging like how does it work legally Uh, it's it it can get tricky kind of it's helpful to have you kind of have to jump through some hoops sometimes to like make sure you're um keeping everyone happy because mm-hmm. um like here we are lucky to have um sp- like we have a local mountain called galbraith that um is owned by a logging company and the, the logging company has given us access or given like us a written um access for to use the land for recreation um for mountain mm-hmm. biking specifically so we do have to like to build things there you have to kind of go through all the process of like making sure it's okay with the city and the county uh, and the landowner and the um, mountain bike organization um but once you can navigate all that you are allowed to build things so like we were able to build like a massive jump line last year um which was super awesome nice that's cool that you've got a process to kind of follow like everyone knows what they need to do if they want to get up and build stuff so yeah that's pretty uncommon i would say certainly over here Mm -hmm. it's definitely been a learning process like in the like in the past like people would just go and dig things build things and that's how the whole um area was originally formed so and now it's sort of evolving into a a more streamlined process um now that more people are getting involved and it's a much more like visual um public um thing and uh yeah so it's it's definitely been a learned process and it's taken taking some time to get it 
get dialed in. I wouldn't say it's 100% dialed still at this point. <laughs> None of these things ever are. Yeah. Never quite as easy as they sound. Yeah. So you um you spent some time working in the shop, obviously, and and Kona mm-hmm. kind of ended up supporting you as an athlete as you as you progressed. And while you were there, you guys set up something called the Supremes, I think, to help kind of mm-hmm. drive the the women's side of the sport. Is that something you've always felt strongly about kind of working on, like helping yeah. grow, yeah, the women's element on the women's aspect of, of mountain biking in general and free ride specifically? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kona w- was awesome place to sort of get into bikes, like in the mountain biking scene, they supported me um, as a mechanic actually, which was really cool because I didn't have a lot of mechanic experience and they like put the resources into teaching me what I need to know to wrench at the shop. And, um, they were very supportive of me, um, doing racing and then, and ultimately forming the, um, the Supremes, which my friend Amanda and I sort of was our sort of brainchild that we started, um, to try and encourage and more women to, join mountain biking and then also give them a platform to pursue racing events so like it was prim- it was originally a race team sort of thing where and then we would also like produce media pictures and videos and um kind of have have little events like group rides and parties and stuff and it was received very well like we had a lot of people that were super stoked on just kind of seeing the content that we were making and yeah it gave us a good platform for uh, just showing people what we were getting up to and um we then we kind of had our like group of gals that we rode with to to go to the races which kind of just made it more of like a fun experience to have your your friends to go do that with yeah nice and do you feel a pressure to be a good role model for for women in the sport or for yeah. riders in general like and what for you what do you think what would you say that involves yeah definitely that's um i would say probably one of my biggest goals given this opportunity that I have um to to be pursuing free ride as like a professional career I guess like uh it's like back with the Supremes um that was kind of one of our goals was just to like be a public role model for more more girls to get involved with mountain biking and that was kind of more in the racing realm um which had has had quite a few role models in the past but now that I've sort of progressed into this more free ride scene, um, I definitely feel a lot of pressure to be a good role model since there haven't been a whole lot of um, female free ride mountain bike role models yeah. in the past. Um, and I think it's super important if we want to see the, the sport progress. And I, I think it will, and we'll see like the next generation of gals like taking it to the next level. But yeah, I definitely feel like given this opportunity that I have to be in this position, um, that's um, one of my biggest goals. Yeah. What, what do you think being a good role model means or what does it mean to you? Like, how do you feel you need to act? What, what do you feel you need to do to pr- promote the sport, I guess, and yeah. make it a good place? I thought about this a lot. Um, and I'm not sure that I have a super good answer yet. <laughs> I'm still sort of working through it. Um, but the, the thing that I always come back to, I guess, is just like trying to make sure that I'm doing all the things that I'm doing for the right reasons, like um, not necessarily letting the pressure of 
<clears throat> um, sponsors or external influence impact the decisions, the decisions that I'm making for my riding too much. Like obviously there is some pressure in that sense from having sponsors. Like now I'm getting paid to do these things. So I need to like have some level of, of pressure to, to ride for those reasons. But primarily I want to like show that um, by doing something like because you are just passionate about it can still get you um you can still like make a lot of progression by by doing what you love for those reasons so yeah i guess it's trying to um to show that somehow like like a lot of things that i've i think like part of the reason i've been able to progress so quickly is is partially because i've been doing what i do for um like internal reasons if that makes sense yeah 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 there's a there's yeah you're doing it for yourself because you love it right that's mm-hmm. that's the key thing isn't it at the end yeah. of the day that's Definitely. what makes it easy to get up every day and keep doing it even if exactly. it's hard or challenging or whatever if you mm-hmm. if you love it you keep going right yeah absolutely so i i guess part of my goal is like being a good role model is showing that somehow and i don't know exactly how i want to do that yet but it's something i think about a lot yeah it's a tricky one for sure well and i guess one kind of platform uh, that you guys had back in 2019 was um, to be part of Red Bull Formation, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a really cool looking project. It, it very kind of limited media coverage, I think, for good reasons from what I understand. But can you just tell us a little bit about that project um, yeah. so that people are familiar with it. Absolutely. So Formation was a project that we did back in October of 2019, and it was the brainchild of um, my friend Katie Holden, who also lives here in Bellingham. Um, and Katie has an, um, a really rad background in mountain biking, but she um, had um, the goals to pursue Rampage um, years ago and um, has always wanted to see more women involved in freeride. And um, so her idea to do that was to have like this sort of women's freeride progression camp of sorts, which is what formation was. And so she invited um six gals sort of that were dabbling in that scene to come down to Virgin Utah, which is where Rampage is hosted and where um, sort of it's like the, a lot of people would say like the heart of free ride mountain biking in that sense. And so she invited them to come down and I got to be part of that team. And we um, just got to spend a week digging lines, like hanging out in that environment and then riding the lines that we built Um with some media coverage, but not a lot. It was more just kind of about the collaboration of us, like building and riding together, um, pushing our own riding limits. And then also like just getting familiar with the environment down there because it's um, pretty harsh and um, unforgiving and, and scary, especially if you've never spent much time down there. So um, yeah. Yeah. It looks like an intimidating place and um and you you put together a pretty amazing line for that. Am I right in thinking you were the first person to to hit your line? Yeah, I ended up going first. I think um, primarily because I finished my line first, finished building first, um, and I was also like we we spent like three days digging, and we hadn't gotten to ride much, so I was like super <laughs> like eager to just get on my bike at that point. So like I um, the first day that we were we had like kind of a schedule where we were 
supposed to be digging for three days, take a rest day. And then we were allowed to ride for like the two days after. So like after the rest day, I was like super fired up to ride. So like the first thing in the morning on the, the, the ride day, the first ride day, I like got on my bike and was like trying to ride my own line in like early in the morning. But yeah, so I ended up riding mine first, which was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was pretty amazing. You, you hit that kind of big double drop, which mm-hmm. looks pretty intimidating. Like how, yeah, talk us through what goes on for you to prepare to ride something like that for the first time. Like you mentioned earlier, you use visualizations, but yeah. can you tell us a bit more about the process and how it works for you? Um, so for that one, I guess, yeah, for that one, um, we'd been digging on it for a couple of days. So I'd had a lot of time to look at it and think about how I want to ride it. So like visualization is definitely a huge part of my like mental process. Um, and then also like kind of just verbally like talking to my, my friends and the folks I was digging with about like sort of like body position and kind of just talking through all the, all the things that I would want to do to be successful and just, and then all that leads into me visualizing success in my head and like how I want it to go. So it's, um, and you kind of just work on on those things, um, working through it in your brain until you feel the confidence and and you're like you're ready to go. Um, and so after three days of digging and a rest day, I was like really ready. I like, wanted to get it done. <laughs> What's is it a visualization like fr- like a GoPro kind of point of view, or is it like are you yeah. external from yourself? How does it how does it work? All of it. I just like think about it from a bunch of different angles like primarily i would say like the gopro pov like you kind of but then also you're kind of thinking about like what you want to be doing with your body um so then you're also also like looking at yourself from um like like yeah like a third person point of view i guess like externally Uh and do you ever think about what could go wrong or do you try and leave that aside um i do from the perspective of like um if it goes if I do this, it would be bad. So don't do that. Like not doing, you need to like think about it from a negative perspective. Just like, okay, I don't obviously don't want to be like, I want, you know, I want to make sure and stay on the right side of, of this, you know, lip or something like just because then that will set me up for success. It's not like a negative thing. Like, Oh, if I do the wrong thing, I'll, I'll crash and it'll be bad, you know? Yeah. And do you like, how do you feel when you're going through that visualization? Do you get some of the adrenaline, comes along with riding it do you start to get kind of tense or excited like how does it how does it feel to you is it kind of almost void of emotion no it's definitely um I definitely have some emotion involved like uh I don't know yeah I I don't know that I have like the words to explain it super accurately but definitely like kind of like a a nervous buzzing sort of just general excitement um and then uh yeah definitely like before dropping in for the first time i'll have to like take a few deep breaths and like um try and like get myself to feel like a a a sense of confidence that's the only way i can describe it's just like you kind of just have like this good feeling and then you're ready to go like yeah and is there, are there ever any kind of warning signs in that visualization process that would, would make you walk away? Like what sort of things would be like, hang on, that's, I'm not doing this today. Like if I just can't visualize a thing, then I, if I just can't see myself doing it at all, then, then I would walk away. Um, 
yeah, like usually if you can visualize most of it or some aspect of it, then, and you get that nervous feeling, it means that it's within probably within your wheelhouse. Like if, uh-huh. and if you just don't, if I just like don't feel it at all or can't like visualize myself doing it, then I almost like don't even get that those nerves because I'm like, it's not like, it's not happening. So then like feeling that nervousness is almost like can kind of be a positive thing. Cause it feels, cause then your brain, yeah. I, I feel like my brain's thinking like, okay, it's, it's within my abilities. Yeah. It knows you're probably going to try and do it. So it's starting to create <laughs> yeah. that feeling. Uh, yeah, I, I never so. thought about that, but yeah, that's right. Stuff that you look at and you're like, no, nope. <laughs> straight away. It's almost, it's almost flat, isn't it? But stuff that you look at and you get that little nervous energy mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't thought about it like that. That makes a lot of sense. So what was it like then? I mean, is that the first kind of free ride camp, I guess, that you've been on with a, with a pretty awesome bunch of girls that were on yeah. that trip? must have been a lot of fun definitely it was super fun we um that was pre-covid time so we got to all like spend time in a big house together and like we had um some like mentors that have been with red bull for a long time like rebecca rush and michelle parker come and like Uh sort of chat with us about like their personal mental processes for tackling things that they're pursuing which was really awesome and like they're both people that i've looked up to for a super long time um, so just like getting to spend time with them was like pretty dreamy. Um, yeah. And then getting, and then also getting to like spend like downtime with these, these people. And then also like getting to put our energy towards like this greater collaborative process was like just super fun and rewarding and felt very productive as far as like just the overall progression of women's free ride. It was pretty special. Yeah. And there's literally just been an announcement today that I've seen that mm-hmm. uh, it's going ahead again this year, which yeah. is, I mean, just having an event this year is a pretty exciting thing, but it's awesome that formation is going to happen. And that's in May, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They've um, scheduled it for May 24th through the first week of June this year. And previously it was in October, but I believe they're trying to put it in the spring in this year and in the future years, just to kind of have some separation from Rampage. Okay. Um, which I think is a good idea. I'm a little nervous about it being in the end of May just because it gets really hot in Virgin um, that time of year. Like usually you want to go there like um, early fall or very early spring or even like in the winter. But um, so hopefully it's not too bad, but I think it'll be, it'll be all right. Yeah. You must be excited to be going back. Yeah, definitely excited. Yeah. Is it the same, going to be the same site, the old, was it 2015 Rampage site you used before? That's the one we used before. I don't think it's going to be the same this year. I think we might be using the site that's on the backside of that, which is, uh-huh. I want to say 2008, but I could definitely be wrong. I'm, I can't remember for sure. Okay. Nice. So it's going to be fresh terrain, like all new lines, yeah. but same, same kind of format then. So you'll take a dig team, you spend some time digging mm-hmm. and then, uh, and again, not, not a competitive event more about building the scene and yep. progressing that side of the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, um, yeah, we'll have a dig team. And then I believe this year we're also getting, um, assigned like a dig, a digger that is a, a mentor. So like Michelle Parker, for example, could be someone that you get assigned to your team and she would help dig for you, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, yeah it's non-competitive. So 
we're allowed to sort of like collaborate on lines if we want to like all work on something that's the same like or if there's like one feature that we're all excited to hit we could do it all together um yeah it's more just focused on um the progression of the writing and um trying to keep it uh without too much pressure yeah do you know if there'll be more kind of media output from it this year this year should have a bit more media output now like red bull is fully on board so like last year red bull um kind of uh supported it behind the scenes in Uh that they they gave us the resources to make it happen but didn't necessarily provide or promote the media but now Mm -hmm. this year they're fully like on board it's called like red bull formation instead of just formation and they're fully going to like have some sort of media coverage i'm not sure what that looks like yet but yeah Yeah. it'll be awesome and any kind of hopes or dreams for it like is there anything on your list that you really want to achieve while you're out there um yeah i i've uh like personally a few tricks that i want would love to like put into a, a full line um like i've been work i actually got an airbag this year um Sweet. which has been really fun we, we just kind of got it set up in, like in the last like month or month or so ago but so i've been trying to use that to like um learn tricks and would love to be able to like incorporate a trick into a full run like having the whole aspect of like a gnarly shoot of some sort or like some gnarly um techie line incorporated in with like a jump or some feature that you could put do a trick on would would be really awesome in my mind as a a goal to accomplish nice what's it been like having the airbag then is that is are you seeing fast progression on stuff as a result of it i've definitely been trying a lot more things it's the airbag that we got is actually like um a landing so it's not uh-huh. like just a big square airbag or like a foam pit style one where you can like jump and land any anywhere and it's fine like it's actually has um it's actually shaped like a jump landing so when you hit it and you land on your wheels you actually roll away with speed like you're hitting an actual jump so it's slightly more scary than just like chucking yourself into a foam pit or, or like a square airbag um uh-huh. because you land and you have speed so like a few times when I've crashed, I've like tumbled down the landing and like onto the <laughs> ground. Um, so I'm like, I'm definitely a little, I still kind of treat it like an actual jump, even though it's an airbag, yeah. like, um, which is good in the sense that when I go to try these tricks that I'm learning on an actual jump, it will feel more similar, but yeah. also I'm a little bit scared to just start throwing tricks and like trying new things. So the progression hasn't just been like crazy fast. I've, I've learned a few new okay. things and the repetition of it is also very helpful, but yeah. Yeah. Nice. Are they a big investment? I've never looked at how much these things cost. Um, I think they're, um, I actually was able to, Red Bull was able to get it for me as part of like a, a contract thing, which was super helpful. But the, I think they cost like $5,000. Okay. Quite a bit. Yeah. But, they're pretty expensive and you have to have yeah. like a place to put it and they come with a little air, like the blower thing, which you have to have a good source of electricity to run it because it's kind of just running all the time yeah. um and you um and you have to have a build a ramp for it too so it's definitely a, a pretty involved thing to have if you, you don't have the resources nice and is that just at your house like um it's at a friend's house yeah very nice yeah so you I mean you mentioned red bull and mm-hmm. last year you became a, a red bull athlete which is yeah. kind of most mountain bikers dream um tell us a little bit about the process because they they generally surprise people don't they kind of it uh 
I was definitely surprised that they were even considering, would even consider me being um, an athlete for them, to be honest. But it, I think, sort of stemmed from the 2019 formation event. Um, since they were involved in that, they um, saw my performance at that event. And then I kind of got in communication with the mountain bike athlete manager, Aaron, who lives in Portland, which is close to me. Um, and he, him and I have started communicating um, just over the course of the end of 2019, I believe, and in 2020, mostly in 2020. Um, and uh, kind of the way that Red Bull organizes it is usually you'll sort of work with your athlete manager contact for a while. And it um, doesn't really necessarily mean anything about like getting on the team or like having a helmet or anything. You're kind of just they're just willing to sort of support athletes that they think might have potential or that they're interested in working with. And then um, you'll and then if they want to like have you officially on the team, then you, that's when you'll get the helmet and like be part of the program. So I was able to have that happen in August of 2020. And they presented you pre- presented me with the helmet and like Aaron and Jill Kittner and Michelle Parker came. They're both Red Bull athletes and like did like the helmet handoff. And um, it was really, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it must be a good uh, a good company to ride for. I hear, yeah. I hear they look after their athletes very well. Yeah, definitely. They're they're definitely um, focused on providing the athlete with the resources that they want or that they need to to do their sport. So they're willing to like get you an airbag if that's what you feel like you need to to progress. Or um, they're and like Aaron and I are always kind of just like tossing back and forth ideas, like. Um, if I have an idea for like an event that I want to attend or something I want to host, like they're willing to help you work with you to just like do whatever you want to do. It's like, and which is kind of an athlete's dream is to like, just kind of do whatever they want. And, um, yeah, so it's been really fun and I'm looking forward to more things that we can do now that hopefully, um, COVID will be less of an issue with events and things like that. Yeah, not not great timing for that sort of stuff uh, with yeah. events and everything. Have you got any projects planned with them that you're able to talk about? Or um, I have a bunch of ideas, but it's hard to um, put anything like we haven't been able to like confirm anything because of the pandemic. But um, I would love to like host some sort of like free ride event in, in on my in like my local zone. Um, but yeah, I haven't actually been able to put anything on the calendar. Yeah. Well, hopefully things will ease up a little bit over the coming months and uh, we can get back to doing what we want to do instead of what we're currently doing. Yeah. Um, you're, I guess, kind of relatively unusual in the fact that you race as well as ride the free ride side. I don't think there's that many people that kind of cross between the two for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't really, I don't really know why. How important is the racing side of things to you? And do you think it works well together with free ride? Yeah. So racing is kind of how I got into like competitive mountain biking, or at least gave me the platform to like ride new places and, um, progress my, gave me sort of a reason to progress my skills. Cause then I sort of had a goal that I was working towards, like just want to improve my race results. And, um, so I started getting into enduro when I first started, cause that's kind of just what was available to me at the time in my area. And, um, it definitely allowed me to, or sort of forced me, I would say to um, progress my skills quickly having and 
it, like I said, gives you like this goal that you want to work towards. So like, okay, I have this event coming up this summer. I want to make sure I'm ready. So I'm going to um, kind of have it in the back of my mind for um, motivation to get out and train, train or ride more or whatever that um, looks like. And um, I think, uh, yeah, and it gives you the technical skills and the mental process of working through your um, fear and emotions coming up to something that um you have pressure to to do well at so like all those yeah. th- things to definitely play into like the free ride aspect side of it as well um but sort of off topic i feel like this is part of the reason why formation is super important for like f- progressing free rides for women's free ride mountain biking is like it provides um women and girls who are wanting to pursue this side of the sport with this goal, you know, something they can work, they can see themselves potentially attending or working towards. And like, yeah, that's, definitely. Um, I think why we see more women having success in racing is because th- there's a, that platform already there for, yeah. you know, having that goal in mind. And there hasn't been a lot of that for free ride, like women's free rides. So like the guys sure. have had rampage and these fest series events and, slope style competitions and um there hasn't been a lot of that for women in the past so i think having formation and hopefully more events in the future could could provide that yeah do you think we'll see you at a fest series at any point i would love to do a fest series that's definitely on my list of goals to to do i was meant to um to do one the one that carson was hosting carson storage in uh-huh. bend last 2020 and also nico vink um, had some in europe that we were meant to attend as well um before covid um kind of messed those plans up but i definitely hope to attend one in the future nice yeah they looked like a lot of fun mm-hmm. it's insane but a lot of fun yeah absolutely yeah. And I think that the whole format is really important too. Like the format of like being like not super, like kind of competitive in the sense that you want to do well and like um, produce the best media and ride the best that you can, but it's not competitive like Rampage. It's more, it, it has that element of collaboration where the riders are like using each other to, to ride their best, I guess. And instead of competing yeah. against each other directly. Yeah, definitely. It seems to be a big, um, it drives progress. I think like mm-hmm. it's a lot of riders working together, egging each other on, going bigger, building bigger, yep, thinking absolutely. bigger about what they're doing. And it does, yeah, it does seem to drive the sport forward. So having more of that has got to be, got to be a good thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. So w- will we see, will we see racing more in the future or focusing more on the free ride side of things? Like where does your energy go? Um, definitely more on the free ride side of things for sure. Um, I like doing the racing just because, like I said, it's a good kind of, it's a good way to just to progress your skill set. But also I love just like getting to go and ride new places. So like, um, going to like, just having an excuse to go up to Whistler and race the, like race the EWS is always like super fun to go, you know, spend time up there. Or like, I got to go like to other places in Canada that I wouldn't have otherwise gone to just to attend races and, um, and in the U S, um, but it's really just for fun. And I don't, I definitely want to probably put more energy and focus into like the free ride side of things. So, yeah, um, I guess hard to train for both disciplines really. Cause there's, a, a, there's some overlap definitely, but yeah. definitely some dip, some big differences between being fit for an EWS and being fit and strong as you need to be for free ride. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. What, yeah, what, 
how how do you approach training for free ride like what do you think is important to have as an athlete in that discipline and and maybe even specifically as a woman is it any any mm-hmm. different do you think um it's like the phys- i kind of break it down in my head into different categories like there's sort of like the physical or the three categories that i always kind of think about are like sort of like making sure you're off the bike body prepared so like strength staying up on your strength um and part of that's like just having strength is helpful for um doing bigger things but also like taking a crash is um it's good to like have your to be strong so that when you crash it's potentially less of an impact on your body um and then there's like the on the bike training so like spending time practicing riding the gnarly features that you um are working towards um working on specific skills or specific tricks like the airbag it's like all these things that um you do on the bike um yeah and then um sort of like kind of what we talked about earlier um just like the maintenance side of it so you have like your nutrition and um the mental aspect of it is huge like um you're like training your brain to to go through those processes of hitting new features for the first time like over and over so that it becomes routine um and you know, taking care of your injuries and your um, mental health and everything is like um, a big aspect. So yeah, like the three categories, I don't know if it was clear, but like on the bike training, off the bike training, and then sort of like the maintenance and mental side of it. General, yeah, general sort of well-being side of things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do, you think, do you think there's particular parts of your body that are important to be strong in free ride compared to other sort of areas of mountain biking? Because you're taking a lot of impacts, I guess. Yeah. Um, when I'm in the gym or like focusing on my strength, like definitely a lot of like upper body um, strength I find to be useful because like when you're like taking a big impact, like holding onto the handlebars, you know, you want to be doing like be able to like take that impact, like push up style position. Yeah. Um, and then also like crashing, I tend to like eat, like fall on your um, like upper body a lot. Like I'll take slams to my arms, and um, so like I I find that having strength built up in in those areas is beneficial. Um, but then yeah, just like overall strength is important. Like having a good core strength and um, legs obviously are super um, is important for like riding aggressively and. Um, hitting big jumps and features so it's all it's all important yeah there's no yeah there's no easy day is there you can't yeah uh, you can't really let anything go so, so give me your thoughts on like the women's side of the sport whether it's free ride specific or mountain biking in general like how do you think it's doing at the moment because f- certainly looking from my perspective it feels like it's growing really fast and it feels like there's more um energy and attention going into that side of the sport than there ever has been which is great mm-hmm. um so i'm guessing it's kind of quite an exciting time to be part of it but like it's probably well not even probably there's still a long way to go so yeah how are you how are you feeling about it in general um i'm feeling about it in in general i'm feeling um 
very positive about the direction that women's mountain biking and women's free ride mountain biking are both going. Um, it seems like there's been a huge growth in women pursuing the sport in general. And then also I've seen so many more women um, pushing it in the free ride scene. Um, I think the industry as a whole has been showing more support for women um, in mountain biking and in free ride mountain biking. And I think with the rise of these events like formation and um, like, we'll hopefully see um, a progression in the skill set that um, like the, the younger riders or younger girls are, are pushing towards. Like I've already seen so many, um, gals, even just in my local, um, at my local, in my local town, hitting huge jumps and like pushing their free ride skills in like, it's so cool to watch. And I, like, even just a few years ago, didn't see that very often, like with the, the younger crew, I guess. So like, um, in general, I think it's, going in a really cool direction right now it seems like a very exciting time to be a woman in in action sports in general but in mountain biking for sure yeah definitely and i get like a little bit of a four-parter i guess but it, to help the growth of the women's side of the sport what would you ask for from like first part the brands second part the media third part the male riders out there and then fourth part the other female mm-hmm. riders out there if you could ask for anything. Uh, yeah. If I could ask for anything, like, um, I guess just, uh, I would ask for a lot of, like all of these groups to, to, I guess, like have some, or at least put some thought and awareness into, um, their perception and concepts of women in the sports. Um, so I, I think, I think, um, if like brands and I'll start with brands, I guess, like, um, just putting the energy into, um, thinking about, I guess, yeah, just putting the energy into into thinking about women in um, in their space in the sport is like the best place to start. Like, um, yeah. and I just I don't necessarily like, have a good like singular answer for this, but um, let's see if I can come up with something concise enough but uh that's all good it's a it's such a huge topic that it's very very hard to kind of yeah pin anything down i guess but like for sure even if it was i mean not necessarily a perfect answer but like short-term things like if you could see brands do one thing what would it be if you could see the media change one thing what would it be um i i think just having um more broad representation is is would be one good place to start um like 
from what I've learned um, pursuing mountain biking, free ride mountain biking, is that like having representation um, and these role models is super important. So like brands, um, recognizing that, being aware of it, um, putting the thought into um, producing content and putting media out that represents um women doing these things is huge yeah um so like that's a great thing to start our place to start um yeah and that goes i guess for all all groups as well like not just women but like um yeah like brands and companies just like supporting these supporting um more minority groups that are not often represented in the sport is important i think um yeah just increasing the diversity of what we see in general i guess exactly yeah yeah um yeah as far as like um yeah i think yeah that's and then the other um categories you brought up like other women like same thing like um i think like the format that uh like the person that comes to mind when I think of a great way for women to support other women in action sports is like Michelle Parker. She does a great job at like highlighting things that are um, using her platform to highlight things that women are doing in um, multiple action sports. But like, and it's like, um, but also she's just like genuine. You can see she's like genuinely stoked even within her own sport. Like there's not like a weird competitive nature to the, to um, her, sharing what like all the rad things that other women are are getting up to so like she's just genuinely stoked to see the progression and the things that the other gals are doing and like it's like stoked to share it and highlight them and like give them space to 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 show the world what they're doing and i think that's a really good way to approach it yeah nice yeah Yeah. that's cool to hear that yeah it's it's selfless i guess isn't it it's Mm -hmm. all for the greater cause but even better if that is just genuinely how you feel anyway like you yeah. really want to show off what other people are doing even if they are competitors or even like your arch rival in your sport or whatever <laughs> yeah if they're totally. doing rad stuff then it's cool yeah well that's the beauty of um the free ride the nature of free ride is it's like anyone everyone can kind of be doing their own thing and it's um and we can all be stoked on it like you know veronique is doing so many cool things and um, and they're completely different from the stuff that like another free ride athlete could be doing. And, um, so you can both be, um, promoting each other and th- what you're doing in, in your own interpretation of it. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, we're getting, um, we're getting close to the end of our time, but we've got our four questions that we ask, uh, everybody. So we'll hit those up quickly. If our listeners had 150 pounds, which is about $200, I think to improve their performance on a bike. What would you recommend they go and spend it on? Ooh, I think, I think like low hanging fruit would probably be like, I guess for me in Bellingham, this is important too, um, but like tires because it's like your contact point at the ground. So like having, and you could definitely get some like good tires for like 200 bucks, like having like good tread, good, um, a good compound, like something that's going to keep you from getting flat tires, you know, set up tubeless, the whole nine yards like that. 
is would be, would be my recommendation of easy 200 bucks to spend and you would notice yeah. like a huge performance especially if you're into a performance increase especially if your tires are not um good at good at the moment <laughs> yeah what are you running what's your preferred combo i'm running um wtb tires right now uh-huh. um and they're my tire sponsor um and they're i run the verdict and the judge just oh yeah like i've um, had that combo on for most of the winter to be fair oh yeah yeah, yeah in yeah, bellingham yeah. we have a very wet winter season here so it's nice to have very like high grip tires with good tread for sure Cool. Second question. If you could uh, wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, mm. what advice would you give her? Ooh, I like this question because it kind of goes in hand with um, what I like to, what I like, like to tell um, other girls that are seeking advice, I guess, in pursuing action sports professionally. Like, um, But I would tell my 16 year old self to definitely um, keep to, uh, to, to definitely um, remember to do pursue the things that you're doing for the right reasons. So I, I brought this up at the beginning, um, but that's yeah. definitely something that I think about a lot is like, you know, why am I doing these things and like, what's my motivation? So um, I would tell her to definitely just like, don't worry too much about the external influence um, or the things you're thinking that other people might be thinking about you or like these the external pressures too much. Like just kind of do try to pursue these things for the reason that you and just enjoy doing them. Yeah. Good advice. I like it. Third question. If you could have a coaching session with anyone past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn? Um, the first person I picked that came to my head was Veronique. Um, one, because I've ridden with her before and I love riding with her. So I'm very much looking forward to riding with her again. And two, I really want her to teach me how to do a nothing because <laughs> she's been doing that in her recent videos and I have no idea how she does it. It's amazing. And also I've, we, we've both talked about, um, like our dream tricks before when we we're, um, doing projects together and, um, she has i don't think she's done these yet maybe maybe she has and i don't know but we both talked about how doing a superman would be like a really awesome trick to learn so it'd be really fun to maybe try and learn that with her so we could learn it together (laughs) nice you'll have to get her over for the airbag and uh, yeah definitely awesome and uh final question what do you do every day that you feel benefits you um what do i do every day um Oh, let's see. Um, I guess what I do every day, I, I want to say something like I ride my bike, but I definitely don't ride every day. And I think that's probably good for the better. But um, I think some form of like mindfulness might be like a cliche term, but like some, some form of just like spending time thinking about um the world and my goals and just like spend spending some amount of time like thinking about bigger picture things in my life um i think benefits me and will benefit me in the long term so um whether that looks like just like doing that um while i'm 
kind of going for a ride or like during a commute or um, just like in the morning at my house or whatever. Like I, I like to definitely like put time aside intentionally for just some variation of thoughtfulness. And, okay. Um, so you do that every day, but not in the necessarily in like a structured way, like through a journal or something. It's a kind of, you'll make an amount of time every day to just think about stuff. Like. Yeah, correct. I, I do some, okay. sometimes incorporate a journal or um, we'll like use some form of thought provoking material like a like have a book that i'm like using to sort of think about a certain topic or learn more things about it but yeah any good book recommendations then Mm -hmm. is there anything that you've come across recently that you've uh, been kind of provoked by um i've been reading um some like like Okay, so the, there's a book that I there's two that came to mind. The one that I haven't finished yet, but I've started reading and I'm excited about it. Um, it's called Sapiens, and it's just like a general book about um, sort of like human history and um, yeah. progress. It's, it's incredible. Have you read that one? It's a, it's a big one, isn't it? it takes yeah. a while. I'm, but it's I'm really haven't gotten through it yet. Yeah. Um, and then I've been also reading some like philosophy texts recently, or like uh-huh. stories. Um, so I've been I just finished one called "The Stranger" by Albert Camus um, that I really enjoyed, and those are okay. were, were easier to read. So I was kind of like mixing the the stories in with reading the longer text. Um, <laughs> but both of those I really enjoyed. Cool. Yeah, I'll put some links in the show notes so people can uh, check those out if they're interested. Cool. Cool. Um, if people want to find out more, follow what you're up to, where's the best place for them to head? Um, probably my Instagram page, which is just my name, Hannah Bergman. Excellent. Okay, we shall put that as a link in the show notes as well so people can find that. But yeah, thank you for your time. It's been super interesting chatting, finding out a bit more about you. And yeah, let's uh, let's hope that things continue to go in a good direction and we get more events and more yeah, going on uh, in mountain biking in general around the world over the next 12 months. But super excited to see how you all get on at formation in <laughs> not very long. Like it's only a few weeks away, really, isn't it? So, yeah, it's like six weeks. Yeah, excellent. That'd be awesome. So yeah, thanks a lot, Hannah. It's been super interesting. Look after yourself and yeah, take yeah. care. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Chris. Nice one. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Hannah. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thank you to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode of the show. If you're looking for top quality carbon wheels, then We Are One is the place to go. As a downtime listener, you can get 15% off rim-only products until the end of April using the code WESUPPLY2021 at the checkout on weareonecomposites.com. That's we supply, all one word, all lowercase, followed by the number 2021. Also, a big thanks to freewheel.co.uk. If you want the convenience of shopping online, but you still want to support your local bike shops, then Freewheel is the place to do it. You can get 15% off your first order by heading to freewheel.co.uk now and signing up to their mailing list. It's a UK only thing, I'm afraid, so apologies to my listeners elsewhere in the world. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can get your hands on our brand new spring summer 2021 merch by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the podcast. 
All right, you know what to do. Please keep on spreading the word. Tell your riding mates and share the episodes on your social media. It makes a massive difference and it all helps me keep this thing going. If you've got a couple of minutes, then a review on iTunes is super helpful too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>